So when you run for politics, I'll help you. I'll <laughs> Shagruti Penwala, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. We've been trying to do this thing for a while now, us get together. So I'm glad we could finally make this work. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Tegan. I really appreciate the opportunity. I know when I received the call, um, I, I was super excited. So honestly, it's my honor and privilege to be with you today. Thank oh, you. Oh, come for on. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> Just a silly little podcast. Uh, all right. We're going to talk about a bunch. So uh First, uh, you're well-known, powerful voice in the industry, so that's why I had to have you on. And I, before I go too far, I want to thank you for sort of all of your advocacy that you do. You're a big advocate, Ahoa, AH and LA, uh, speaking in front of Congress for our industry. Were, were you supposed to be there this week? Did I hear that? I had my own uh, overtime uh, rule testify supposed to be scheduled on Tuesday, but obviously, you know what's happening in Washington D.C. right now. Uh, when they couldn't pick the uh, the uh, the Speaker sure. of the House. Uh, everything was kind of delayed. So now they're rescheduling, uh, we're hoping sometime next week. Uh, so I'll be testifying on behalf of the hospitality industry, uh, specifically HNLA regarding overtime. So I got to pause this both because we're running into it. I got to pause this both. Yes. So we need to know, we got to know who is Jagruti Penwala. How did you get here? Where did we grow up? How did we end up in this business? So please yeah. tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll start uh, my journey uh, very early, John. I, I think, Tig, you might be aware I was born in India and I came to this country at age 15. But uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, working hard, that was instilled in me at very young age. Um, I still remember when I was just like seven, eight years old that my father used to take me on business trips um, in train, in local train from Surat to Bombay to Calcutta. Now, think about this. This is like almost 40 years ago, and I'm giving up my age here, but 40 years ago in, in India, especially for a father to, to tell your little girl that, hey, this is all okay. Um, so when I grew up, I never felt different as far as gender is concerned, right? It was never um, a thought in my head or it was never an upbringing that just because you're a female, you have some certain limitation. So that's how I grew up. So when I came to this country at age 15 with my father, mother, and my brother, sisters, um, like most of the immigrants, we had nothing. Um, and we had to really start um, from ground up. Uh, so in high school, uh, I was working in the evenings, in the weekends, because we had a small business, which was uh, uh, like a grocery store. So it, it, it kind of started journey that way. I went to college, I went to Strasbourg University, I studied economics and finance. And right out of college, I really didn't know what to do. Um, but I knew I needed to make money. So I started working uh, this was my first job. I started working on a financial service company um, just as an employee. I was I, I started my, my career that way. And uh, I call myself an accidental hotelier because I really had no knowledge about hotels and not it wasn't even in, uh, on my in my thought or that I wanted to get into hospitality. But when I was just uh, starting my my position in a financial service company, um, I had no prospects. I had no clients. I really didn't even know where, who to go to. So I, was, I started knocking on businesses, right? So believe it or not, um, one uh, hotelier uh, actually gave me a call back because I dropped on my business card. He called me and uh, I got really excited. I said, wow, I'm actually 
having somebody call me back. But when he called me, he said, yeah, I really need to do my planning, but my business is suffering and I'm not really sure how to even go about it. And um, I knew the market. I didn't know the hospitality or hotel business, but I knew the market and I knew the hotel was right by the interstate. And so I started talking to some people and my uncle was in a, um, uh, he owned like a small mom and pop motel, not a big franchise hotels. So I just kind of ran it by him. I said, look, um, there's an opportunity. I don't know anything about it. I don't really have any money. I had like $35,000 saved in my first year in, uh, as an advisor. So I said, I have this much money. I, I want to figure out a way to do this. Um, so long story short, uh, we ended up doing lease to purchase agreement uh, with a prospect. And I bought my first hotel when I was 22 years old. And I became an owner and a partner with my father on that first project. And eventually that actually client ended up uh, prospect becoming a client. So that's how I started in a hospitality um, industry. And, and I'll tell you again, same thing, doing my day job which is being a financial advisor in the evening, cleaning rooms, front desk, housekeeping, literally whatever needed to be done. Uh, I was doing, you know, I did it with my husband uh, at the hotel. We actually uh, lived in a hotel um, for two years um, just to save money. And that's how I really got started. Uh, currently we own eight hotels. Uh, most of them are in New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, but we have a hotel in Ohio. And we just acquired a property in Dallas, Texas, uh, along with um, uh, Newcrest Image and Dabu Hotels, actually. So very exciting. Uh, but that's how I actually became a hotel owner. And that's that's exactly what it took, which is a similar story to many immigrants who come to this country with, without anything and trying to find their way. And uh, that's exactly what I did. But I, I am an accidental hotelier, and um, but I'm, I'm proud uh, to be a hotelier <laughs> as well. I, I mean, I love that story. That is that is the bootstrap and pulling yourself up, taking a risk. Uh, yes. A lot of the uh, lease to own helped a lot of people. I don't know how you get back yes. to that, but I love this story. Um, okay, I'm going to get into your day job wealth management. But we're going to do that at the end. My question is, I'm getting to AHOA and your chair, first and only chairwoman of AHOA. Uh, I think that's when we met, San Diego at the uh, yes. convention. But my question is, is what what made you decide to get involved? Yeah. So uh, again, once I had my first hotel, um, I was looking for answers. Honestly, I, I really didn't know um, who to reach out to. Uh, somebody told me that there is a huge convention happening in Atlantic City. Uh, it's all hoteliers you should attend. Uh, so I went there and that's how I was actually introduced to AHOA. This was in 2001. And before I went to the AHOA convention, I really felt alone. I really didn't know, you know if I needed to figure out the pricing or figure it out if I am I doing the right thing for my property. I just didn't have any answers. But when I went, went to the convention, I saw 4,000 people. I said, okay, there's 4,000 other people who are like me. And some of them have a lot of hotels and some of them have one or two hotels. So that's how I really got introduced to Ahawa. And I was a member for a while. I was attending regionals and town hall meetings uh, just to, to uh, mostly network. Um, and then eventually I, I found myself saying, well, you know, if I want to be more engaged, um, I want to, I should join the AHOA board. Now, as you can imagine, I know we just talked about the politics of national politics, but if you're a young female and you really are not familiar with the, with networking or familiar with people, it is a tough challenge. So I ran my election in 2011 as a female director at large. 
um, and it, it was in Las Vegas. Uh, uh, thankfully, thankfully I won. But that that's how I kind of started my journey as an AHOA, being involved in AHOA as a board member. Um, and I was on the board for about five years, right? And um, I learned a lot. Um, I was learning a lot from everybody. But then I saw a huge gap in diversity in a leadership. And T, you and I know that you know a lot of the important, important decisions are done at the leadership positions. And the fact that at that time in 26 years of our history, they never had a female chair. Um, so I had many reasons why I ran for that position. But one of the main reasons was that in order to have um, your voice, you need to be in a leadership position. And that was one of the main reasons. And I also recognized that the companies, organizations, the more diversity you have in a leadership position, the better the organizations do. Number-wise, um, also having a difference of uh, perspective, right? Uh, so that's when I decided to run for the um, uh, for the AHOA officer position. Um, I actually ran against two of my really good friends, my colleagues who I admire so much. And, uh, and they were great when we were going through elections. But as you can imagine, it was not an easy task. Um, uh, there were a lot of challenges, uh, but I also believed that in order to make a difference, I needed to be a part of the change. Um, and thankfully I won. The membership uh, elected me in 2014, I believe, uh, is when I won as a secretary. And then 2019, I became the, the, the first female chair of the association. And and I'll also I'll also make a point that I don't think for one second that I was the only qualified woman to ever be in that position. Uh, I truly believe that there's so many women um, who are not even just qualified, but more qualified than me to be in that position. But it takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of uh, um, dedication, and it it takes uh, for somebody to be in that position, whether you're men or women, to have that support team. And I was fortunate to have that team at home, at work. Everybody was on the same page. They, they knew that Jagruti was going to be MIA for about four years uh, because she's going to dedicate her full time to this. So I had to make sure that everybody was on the same page. My parents, um, my in-laws, my husband, my children, my entire team at the World Protection Strategies, everybody had to be together to, to kind of make that decision. And, um, and, and that's really was... That that really helped me, um, made my decision much easier uh, to run for the position, and um, and I'm so proud, and I'm so proud of the fact what we have accomplished, um, not just during my year as a chairwoman, but in my service uh, in Ahawa. And I had a pleasure of working with uh, Rachel Humphrey, who was a CEO at the same time. So you had an association who is uh, predominantly male dominated, and having a two female side by side leading the association, I felt it was, a, um, it opened up a door for many, many young women, kind of seeing that, hey, this is all possible. Uh, and that's what I take most pride of uh, being a chairwoman, um, that I was able to at least open up eyes for many young professionals and women hoteliers that if Jagruti can do it, uh, anybody literally can do it. You just have to have a lot of uh, hard work, dedication, and, uh, and, a, and a lot of support to make it happen. Do you think we could get more women being involved, whether it's Ahoa or anywhere? I, I I think so. And I think it's important, right? And like I said, um, in a leadership position, it's really important to have uh, different perspectives. And you right. know, when you have a young professionals, women and, and men, 
in that position together, you can have a lot more different ideas. And that's what you need at the board level and at the leadership level, right? Different perspective. Um, if everybody agrees on everything at all, all time, uh, really there's not much discussion. But I think if you have difference of opinion, um, I, I think it, it it helps the association. So now you're doing that with h &LA. So talk to yes. me about, about you're, you're on the board. Again, you're speaking in front of Congress. So talk to me about, about that. Yeah, absolutely. So even in Ahawa and even in HNLA, uh, being in the political advocacy has been a big passion of mine. And, um, you know, as a business owner or as a hotel owner, we're so busy with day-to-day -day running hotels, operations, working with the brands, working with the banks. I mean, there's not enough hours in a day to do that. But at the same time, I, I feel that a lot of us forget that we do not live in a bubble right? Everything that we're doing right now um, gets affected with regulations that are happening, whether it's a local regulation, state regulations, or a federal regulations, all that trickles down. Uh, so I'll be testifying on behalf of the hospitality industry, uh, specifically HNLA regarding overtime. And I'm happy to go in a little bit detail with you if you would like, but overtime rule is something that impacts um, all small business owners. Uh, so if you have somebody who's working full-time with you right now, the threshold is 35500 is a salary. And um, uh, what they're trying to do is increase that threshold from thirty-five five to 60000 Now, it is not <laughs> uh, it is not a 5% or 7% or 10% based on inflation. It's almost 50% increase in a salary. So the impact on what happens on a small business owner's um, but more than even financial, the impact that happens on the relationship for the small business owners from employers to the employee. Because as you can imagine, when you have somebody working uh, full-time, sometimes they're putting 30 hours, sometimes they're putting 45 hours, right? Based on what's happening at a business, um, even in my own company or in own, own hotels. Uh, but when you are raising the threshold to almost doubling the threshold, a lot of the employers have no choice but to put your employees on hourly. And, and I think just the morally, it, it, it's a, it has a big impact on, on the relationship between employers and employees. So that's that's what I'm testifying for, hopefully within next week or two. But it impacts the hospitality industry, but impacts, honestly, all small business owners, right? Whether you own McDonald's or Burger King or hotels or, or nonprofit organization, it impacts everybody. So HNL has asked me, asked me to test this task. And of course, I immediately said yes, because uh, I've done it uh, already twice in the past. So I'm kind of familiar with the process. But more importantly, I think um, as an owner, uh, it is our job and duty to, to advocate. And I've always been very prone uh, that, as, as you know, that between both associations. So it is an honor that they've asked me to do this. I'm also on HNLA. Uh, on their political uh, action committee, right? Which is also really, really important. And HLN does a chip, does an amazing job. So when I was done with AHOA in uh, 2021, um, Chip reached out to me and he said, look, uh, if you're up for it, we'd love to have you join us. And and I could never say no to Chip. I mean, number one, Chip and I worked together in AHOA and for me to have an opportunity to work with him, an incredible leader, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that I wanted to be part of his team. So I joined HNLA and I've been active, I want to say about four years now. Uh, so I'll stay with HNLA as long as Chip is not tired of me. <laughs> uh, but I as love, long as Chip I love is there. 
yeah, as long as Chief is here, Chief is like, okay, you're good. Um, I, I'll be uh, advocating it. But you know, it's not just about the association, right? Um, it's it's about involvement, and that's what I I tell a lot of uh, owners that you know build relationships because the day you need something and something happened in your hotel, you don't want to be making that first call to your congressman or congresswoman or to senator. You want to have a relationship much ahead. And that's something I've advocated in Hawa, and we advocate obviously in HNLA is building relationship. So I think it's really important. So if there's a one key point I can give, if anybody's listening uh, who's an owner, is that is a build relationship, get to know your local representative because the day that you need them, you want to have that connection right from beginning. Um, otherwise, when you're calling them, when you really need them, they don't really know who you are. And whether they want to help you or not, that's that's their choice. But if they know you, they have the relationship, you've attended their fundraising, you've been in, in front of them, even for a lunch, having a coffee with them, it, it is so much more uh, easier to ask uh, for help um, versus when you're just reaching out for the first time when you need something. Yeah, I'll give my lazy answers. That's what we're relying on, H&LA and you and Chip, and to go advocate for us while we, you know, go over here and do our day jobs. But I think your point is well made. We need to get more involved uh, yes. uh, on a local level uh, and support our people in charge. Uh, so I want to go back. Remind, so your involvement, how old were you when you went to your first AHOA convention? 20 something. I think it was 20, 20, 22 years. Yeah, I was 22 year old. And um, I that I just I just went. Somebody said you should go to this convention. There's a lot of hoteliers there. I didn't even know Ahoa. I mean, that was the first time I knew that Ahoa was there, right? So um that that's how I actually started getting involved. And uh, when I saw four thousand hoteliers, I, I felt okay, I'm not alone. Okay, I'm I'm in I'm in the right place. Um and now you know, when I'm in HNLA, when I go to the owners network, I'm, 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 you know, I, the learning is something it's never stops, right? So when you have a one hotels, you're starting to just understand a little bit of it. When you own five hotels, you're at the different, when you're at 10 or different uh, level in HNLA, many of the owners have 30, 40, 50, 100 hotels. So I'm still learning from there. Um, and when I'm meeting with them, the things that they're doing, the companies they're doing, the management companies that they have, uh, it's just so intriguing. And and I love learning and just even collaborating. And, and honestly, being a part of HNLA has really taught me how to uh, build even stronger relationship um, and also, you know, helping each other, helping each other, because that's that's what this business is about. It's all about relationship. Totally great. Couldn't agree more. Uh, go to the, how many hotels, I'm thinking on the business side though. How many hotels do you want to own? You own eight to 10 now. How many do you want to own? So we own eight right now. Um, it's not the number, right? And when I see an opportunity, uh, especially when you start working with, uh, you know, major hoteliers like Newcrest Image, when you see opportunities, it's something, um, you know, so there's no there's no number. Uh, I'll say that it could be ten, it could be fifteen, it could be twenty. Um, um, if there's an opportunity, it makes sense uh, number wise, and the location makes sense, uh, then then we'll keep moving. Give me know, a business strategy. Forward. Give me a business strategy. <laughs> the markets. Whether are we doing development or are we just sidecar investing with Newcrest? What? Give me a business strategy. I think the development is a is a is a very tough right now. Um, you know, I think we've seen that through pandemic, 
Um, and we actually did two hotels. We did two new development during pandemic and we did a full renovation. So I know the challenge, I've been through it. It took us almost three years to do it. Uh, but now the cost of construction is, uh, is, is, is actually ridiculous. You know, when you used to be able to build hotel for 140,000 a key, now you're looking at the same exact construction at 200,000 a key. That's not easy. So I think right now, if there is an exist, uh, existing uh, property that we can acquire, I tend to go more towards that because the new construction, besides the cost, the, um, the amount of time it takes to build, I just, I just, for me, it doesn't make sense right now. Uh, but if there's a property that is uh, either not doing well or looking to get out, uh, they need a, they need to liquidate some of their assets. Um, you know, some of the properties that are bank owned, they're coming to us. Um, and, you know, having a relationship with a lot of the brands, that also helps because if there's a Hilton project coming up or Best Western or Marriott, um, you know, I'm not saying I'm like on top of the list, but I think I'm on the list. So you get those calls. So I think, again, harping on the relationship with the brands, with with your colleagues is so important because I, I feel like that's how you grow, right? Um, if you're just sitting in your own shell in your office all day uh, and not know what's happening outside, not attending conference like Hunter, um, HNLA, owners events, uh, Ahoy events, you're kind of not, you're kind of secluded. So, you know, going back to being out there, attending events, attending conferences is important because that's how you network. That's how you find out what your colleagues are doing. That's how you find out what all the brands are doing, right? And you get more and more connected with everybody. Uh, so there's no numbers uh, as opportunities come along. Um, we'll we'll keep doing projects, hopefully. I hope. <laughs> no, no, you will. I, and I can tell you there's more and more, for better or for worse, there's more and more coming to the market every day. Yes. As the yes. As the headwinds get stronger, there's more and more coming to the market. Yes. So be ready. Agree. Uh, all right. I want to go to your, I don't know if it's day job, but let's go to the wealth strategies port, right, which we don't talk about yeah. a lot. But I, think it's, I think it's fascinating. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Give your, talk to me about that business. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, as I said earlier, I started uh, my career actually in financial service industry, right? Because uh, at that time, I really just needed to make money. So I wasn't even sure if that's the right industry for me or not. But honestly, I'm so blessed and so fortunate. Um, God has given me a lot. And um, I found a passion in both industry, uh, financial industry and also the hospital industry. And for me, kind of, it, went, it, it just really went hand in hand, in hand. Uh, because most of my clients are business owners. So they're hotel owners, they're physicians, uh, they own multifamilies. So when I'm with my clients talking about estate planning, uh, business succession planning, asset management, those conversations are so easy because I understand what they're going through. When there's good times, I understand. When there's a bad times, I understand. So the conversations that I have with my clients, uh, if you have a one hour meeting, 45 minutes of the meeting, it's about how your business is doing. We're sharing ideas and then, 15 meetings about, okay, here's what we need to do, right? So to be in the position that I'm in a both industry, um, that really helped uh, uh, my financial service um, uh, aspect of it. I've been in the industry for, as a financial advisor for 25 years now. We just celebrated our 25th year anniversary in August. And um, uh, thankfully, uh, we've been top number one, actually, 
in our broker dealer uh, out of 11,000 advisors, we're the number one right now in the last four years in a row. So uh, it's, uh, again, it's a lot of hard work. You can say it's a daytime job, evening job, weekend job, but but it is my day-to-day uh, -day position, right? And then in between uh, with hotels, I have a really good team. So they manage a lot of the hotels. Uh, I get involved when it's conversation with the brands, when it's a conversation with the banks on negotiating, that's what I get involved but I'm not in a day-to-day -day operations in hotels anymore. Uh, my day-to-day -day job is helping clients. But but honestly, it feels like it's the same thing because when I'm with my clients, we're talking about what's happening with the regulations, what's happening at the construction costs, what's happening. You know, that's over most of the conversation. So when it comes to their planning, the trust level uh, is automatically there because they. I'm not sitting on the opposite side of the table. I'm sitting on the same side of the table. They know. And, and, and also think about this thing. When I'm giving uh, my time to HNLA, HOA, or, or any of the organization, they know that Jagruti is advocating for them. Um, uh, they're look, she's looking out on the best benefit for them as a business owner. So, so that comfort level is there. And I think that's the reason we're also very successful in a financial service industry because of the, the relationship we have built uh, indirectly by, by being involved in associations, being a volunteer, giving up my time. Um, perfect example, when I gave up four years and I was very busy with Ahawa, my clients were completely understandable. They were completely okay. Because they said Jagruti's team is still there, even though she's busy, but she's doing something for us, right? So that comfort level was there. So again, blessed to be in both industry, which I love, um, and I love what I do. Uh, but to have that team of clients, my family, Ahoa, HNLA, um, just the the support has been just incredible. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to know. I want to. I want. I need to know the the brilliance. What what's your outlook for the future? What is your I don't know. What is your worldview, economic view, hotel view of 2024 look like? You know, I I, I look. The labor shortage uh, has been with us since pandemic, and you know we we were hopeful that in 2023, 2024. Um, things will get a little bit better. But as you know, what's happening in the world right now, um, there's a lot of chaos happening with the war. Um, so that does kind of put recession uh, in a lot of people's mind. So when I'm speaking with the, either my clients or even HNLA members or AHA members, that's something is on everybody's mind. Um, I still think uh, your mid-scale segment where you're not requiring such a high labor, I think it's still uh, a, a segment that's gonna thrive. Um, uh, also construction costs, supply costs has been increasing. And uh, uh, with what's happening in the world, um, you know that's not going to get any better. So I'm not saying that we're in trouble. That's not, not, that's not my message, but I think being cautious is, is what I would say. Um, in 2008, when we had a market crash, right, one of the biggest thing um, as a hoteliers, we experienced that if you did not have enough uh, equity in your project, you were in trouble. Um, so I think when you're acquiring a project or if you're building a new construction, if you're lucky enough to find a, a development with a, with a great pricing, um, I think having enough equity, um, because the, the times of 70-30 leverage or even 75-25 leverage 
in my opinion, is very risky right now. I think even most of the bank will not even lend you unless you're almost at 60-40 uh, bracket or 65-35 bracket. So I think being smart about that, knowing that if there is a recession, if there is a downturn that you prepare for that, I think it's really, really important for, for any business owner, spe specifically um, in a hospitality. Rudy, thank you. Thank you. This is great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for your advocacy. I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. Uh, it takes someone to do it. And I don't know how you do all that you do. I mean, the travel, uh, the wealth management, the hotels, running a family, uh, and all of the above. So uh, it takes a special person. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tick, so much. And thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.